Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. For additional resources, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Gotta tell you, walking into this place and onto this stage, it brings back all the feels. It is really good to be back here. You already know, and Dad's already shared a little bit, um, my family and I, we've been through a lot over the last several years, and uh, life took us to places that we never thought we would be. You know you can't script your life, right? You cannot script your life. A lot of changes in our lives, but there were a few constants even through all of those changes. And the support and the love of this church was one of those constants. So it is a privilege to be back here today and to share with you, and really just to level set uh, sort of the elephant in the room, the, the fact that you let a felon and a recovering drug addict come up here to share the word of God tells me that this is still a church that believes in the power of second chances. And this is a church that still believes in in grace and forgiveness and mercy. So it is a privilege to be here and to share with you today. If you have a Bible, please open it to John chapter 4. And you moms will appreciate this story. Small boy is sent to his bed by his mom. And five minutes later, she hears, Mom. And mom says, What? Little boy says, I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? And the mom says, no, you had your chance when you were getting ready for bed. It's time for lights out. Five minutes later, mom. Mom says, what? Boy says, I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? And the mom said, no, I told you no. If if you ask again, I'm going to have to come up there and spank you. Five minutes later, little boy says, mom. Mom says, What? Boy says, when you come up to spank me, can you bring me a drink of water? (laughs) Because if there is one thing that moms have heard a thousand times at bedtime, it is, I'm thirsty. And you know what? Jesus is very familiar with that phrase as well. But the drink that he offers has a different kind of impact. And so in John 4, just to set the context, right, Jesus is traveling, That's what we know. Remember one chapter earlier in John chapter three, he was with Nicodemus in the middle of the night, this Pharisee, and and this Pharisee comes to him and he has this one question, like, what what does it really mean to be born again? I don't understand this, Jesus. Tell me about entering. How How do I become born again? And Jesus has this incredible conversation with Nicodemus, this rendezvous in the middle of the night. Well, now we're in chapter chapter four, and Jesus is on the road, and, and, and he's traveling, And so let's pick up at verse four of chapter four. It says, he, that's Jesus, he had to go through Samaria on the way. And we're gonna stop right there because there's a huge implication in that verse that we don't wanna miss. Because the truth is, he didn't have to go through Samaria and most Jews didn't. They went around Samaria because of their detest for the Samaritan people that we'll get into later. And so when it says that he had to go through Samaria, it's not talking about convenience as much as it's talking about obedience. Because there is a divine appointment waiting for him there that would be well worth it. So let's pick up at verse five, chapter four. 
Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And so he's doing it again. Jesus is going out of his way to engage another person that most people went out of their way to avoid. But he had his work cut out for him because there were some pretty big walls around that well. So let's talk about those walls. The first wall was the wall of race. Now, we're going to go back to Sunday school for just a second. You remember, the Jews consider the Samaritans to have tainted blood. Why? Because they were the product of intermarriage between Jews and Gentiles during those years of exile. And in some ways, the Jews consider the Samaritans even more detestable than the Gentiles because of their mixed blood. The Jews thought they were a polluted people with the polluted religion. And the Samaritans felt the same way about the Jews. And so when she says, I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew, she spit those words. Because in her background, the only Jewish men who ever acknowledged her wanted more than water. See, they lived in a day when it was just a common assumption that some lives matter more than others. And so they had ways to decide who mattered most. And one of the ways they decided was race. That race was one way to decide someone's place. By the way, we're seeing a parallel between Jesus' day and our day. We're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure out which lives matter more. Black lives matter. Blue lives matter. All lives matter. What is it? We're still trying to figure it out. Sadly, we have to admit, there's a lot of evidence that the world hasn't changed that much. There was the wall of race, and then there was the wall of gender. And before we start piling on the, the disciples, uh, let, let's consider how the disciples had expanded some of their narrow attitudes since meeting and spending time with Jesus. Before Jesus came along, they would never have hung out with a leper. Lepers were unclean. They would never have hung out with a demon-possessed person. Never would have hung out with a tax collector, a despised tax collector. And now a tax collector is one of them. He's in their club. He was a disciple. I mean, these guys have changed a lot. Let's give them that. In fact, where are they buying food? Did you catch that? In Sychar, a Samaritan town. They're eating food prepared by Samaritans, something they never would have thought of doing before Jesus showed up. But as much as they've grown, look at verse 27. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. 
Let's go back to Sunday school for just a second, because you remember in that day, women were considered inferior in almost every way. And no rabbi ever discussed spiritual things in public with women until Jesus showed up. And he didn't just heal women. He invited women into the circle. He wanted women to be part of the conversation. He let women crash all-guy parties, and he would teach publicly with women sitting right at his feet. And it's worth observing that when he was dying on the cross, all the dudes deserted him, and the women were still there. See, most of us have no idea how much Jesus has changed the way we look at people. Even people that have no room for Jesus have no idea how much he has changed their place. There's this uh, brilliant anthropologist at Stanford University named Rene Girard, and he was intrigued by this one question. Where did the momentum come for movements that advocate for the helpless? Where'd that come from? How'd that start? Because the ancients never did that. The ancients celebrated the strong, the mighty, the conqueror, not the weak or the oppressed or the disadvantaged. So, so where did all this energy come from to speak out for the homeless or for the child or for the addict or for the slave? And he studied history and he concluded it all came back to one moment in time, the ministry of Jesus Christ. That this one man, no matter what you think of him, has changed the way the world looks at the weak and the oppressed. And through the surprise of his colleagues, Rene Girard started following Jesus. Because Jesus didn't see the walls that most people build to decide what place other people belong in. But he did see a wall most people don't see. And that was the wall of sin. The wall of sin. So starting in verse 13 of chapter 4, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Well, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have five husbands, and you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And now we know why she was at the well in the middle of the day. Back to Sunday school. And you remember in that time, women would get up in the early morning and they would go to the well with the other women for protection when it was cool, right? Strength, strength in numbers. And they would get the water they would need for the entire day. And then they would come back in the evening with the other women. They would get the water they would need for the rest of the night. And they didn't come out in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day by themselves, unless. Unless they were the woman that mothers warned their sons about. She was that woman. The one with the reputation. 
the one the other ladies didn't want around. And so you see what she's doing. She's trying to avoid people. She's isolating and she's withdrawing. She's not looking for an encounter with God. And she's certainly not excited to see a man, especially a Jewish man at that well. But then he turns out to be a lot kinder than any other man she's met in a long time until she realizes he's a prophet. And then she prepares herself what she has become used to her whole adult life, rejection. Because the biggest wall of all was the wall of worthlessness. Remember, she lived in a time where it was just commonly accepted that some people matter more than other people. And you determine through ethnicity and through gender and through religion who those people were. And so racially and sexually and morally, everyone agrees she's in last place. And things haven't changed that much, have they? We still use some pretty worthless ways to determine someone's worth. And and, and can I just be the first person to confess here today? Can I just be first in line? I confess to you this morning that I used to have a terribly judgmental spirit toward anyone I knew that was addicted to drugs. Alcoholics. Boy, did that change. And I repent of that spirit and that attitude of determining someone wasn't worth as much because of their addiction. I confess to you today that I used to be terribly judgmental toward anyone that I knew that had been arrested or had to stand trial stand before a judge or a jury or do time in a correctional facility. Boy, did that change. And I repent of that spirit and determining someone wasn't quite up to my standards because of their legal issues and poor choices. Isn't it interesting how much we change when we go through our own brokenness in time of being humbled? And I ask God today to point out any other judgmental attitudes I have in my heart and forgive me of those and help me change. And maybe you want to pray that prayer with me today too. You know, one of the things I love about Jesus is that Jesus never treated a human being like an issue. He didn't say, divorced five times? Well, I'm going to send you a link to my church's teaching on marriage and divorce and you need to read it. Because he didn't see a woman that needed a lecture. He saw a woman that needed some water. Look again at verse 10. He says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Because Jesus knew her soul was as parched as the land she lives in. You ask me, this is not an evil woman. This is a woman desperate to quench something deep inside of her that is killing her. 
And Jesus knew she was going to keep feeling what she's feeling as long as she keeps doing what she's doing. I spent 15 months behind bars. And can I tell you what my experience was? That prisons aren't filled with evil men. They're filled with thirsty men. I have the opportunity to connect with thousands of alcoholics and addicts. I lead a support group every Monday night in Mooresville. And can I tell you what my experience is? They're not junkies. They're not drunks. They're thirsty. And the problem is that they've turned to the wrong drink. You feel me? They're drinking the wrong drink. And I wonder how many of us are drinking the wrong drink. How many times do we go to wells that don't quench our thirst and we just keep making trips? And we go to the well of performance. If I can just score enough, if I can just earn enough, if I can just achieve enough, if I can just get enough degrees, somebody will validate me. We go to the well of romance, especially on a weekend like this weekend. If I can just find the right him, if I can just find the right her, they will validate me and I'll finally be somebody. We try the well of wealth. If I can just get a better house, if I can just get a better car, if I can just get a better job. We even try the well of religion. If I can just learn this or if I can just do that, if I can just serve on that ministry, if I could just have a place on the stage, somebody will see me and what I'm doing and what I'm learning and, will be, and, and, and I'll get validated. And if you're a woman in our polluted culture, there is tremendous pressure to go to this well called appearance. And you look at the covers of magazines and you watch the pageants and you look at the current fashion trends and our culture keeps sending this message that you need to go to that well, the well of appearance. And what's it doing? 42% of first through third grade girls in our culture think they're too heavy. 80% of 10-year-old girls want to lose weight, 80%. 70% of young women ages 18 to 30 don't like their bodies. And 20 million women at some point will have an eating disorder. And I know there's a lot that goes into that, but it's partly because of this idea that if I just keep going to that well, somebody will validate me. And we see it all the time, and we see it everywhere. And my question to you is, what well are you going to? What well have you gone to? Which one did you visit today? And again, I don't think we go to these wells out of wickedness, but out of dryness. Like this woman who keeps going from man to man to man and from bed to bed to bed. Not because she's evil, but because she's so parched. And what she's doing is numbing the pain. But it's not nourishing the soul. And that's why Jesus was actually being kind when he said, go get your husband. You see what he's doing? He's slowly peeling back the layers. He, he's gently exposing the well that she keeps going to that isn't working. And he still does. My question for you today is this. How do you respond 
when the Holy Spirit exposes the unhealthy places you go when you're thirsty inside. And I want to ask you to really think about that today, tomorrow, maybe the rest of this week. How do you respond when the Holy Spirit exposes the unhealthy places you go when you're thirsty inside? And have you ever thought that maybe the reason Jesus isn't giving you what you want is because he's trying to show you what you need? Because only Jesus can satisfy the thirst for worth. See, most of us think the answer we need, the answer for joy or the answer for happiness or the answer for peace is outside of us. That somewhere out there is this well and I won't get thirsty anymore if I just find that well and start drinking from it. And we wear ourselves out going to wells that just prove to be cisterns. Look, nothing outside of you, not your looks, your wealth, your marriage, your success, your status, even your kids, nothing outside of you can be the measure of your value. Look, you don't matter because you've raised amazing sons and daughters. You matter because the son of God died for you so that you could be the son and daughter of God. That's why you matter. And Jesus said, you're going to have to find your worth from that fresh, bubbling stream within. Friends, we are all screw-ups. How's that for some encouragement at a worship service? It's real talk, right? We're all screw-ups, and our sin has separated us from a holy God. And we needed a Savior, and he came, born of a woman, fully God, fully man, totally sinless. And he goes to a cross in our place. He was our substitute. And on the cross, he said several profound things, but one of the things he said was, I thirst. I thirst. And maybe that's more than just a statement that his throat was dry, although I'm sure it was. We talk about our sin going on to Jesus at the cross, but, but, but maybe at the same time, all of our dryness and everything within us that wants to be quenched every well we've ever been to that was polluted. Maybe he took all of that on himself and he was thirsty. Some of you know what it's like to be thirsty. And Jesus was thirsty. And they put him in a tomb and three days later he rose from the dead. But it didn't stop there. It said he ascended to heaven. Why? Jesus said, it is better for you if I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 2, the Spirit comes. And two times the Bible says he has poured out the Holy Spirit on us. Poured into us the refreshing river of the Spirit to drench our hearts, to saturate us with what? Paul says in Romans that God has poured out his love into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And friends, you don't need anything outside of you anymore to validate you, to affirm you, to tell you that you matter. 
If you would just listen to that sweet, refreshing voice of the Spirit that you are the beloved of God and it will never be well with your soul until Jesus is the well for your soul. And when you drink from him, that will be a moment that changes you forever. Let's pray. God, I confess to you today that over my life, I have visited wells that turned out to be cisterns. And I've looked to other things other than you, God, to validate me, to affirm me, to bring me joy and happiness and peace, but none of that ever worked. And I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters today that probably could all share the same testimony. That until we found you, Jesus, our throats were dry, our souls were dry. But when we drank that living water that only you give, God, through your son Jesus, that changed us forever. And so we thank you, O oh God, for sending Jesus to do incredible things like giving living water to a woman who is desperate for love and mercy and a second chance. And we thank you for extending that living water to every person on the planet. We thank you today in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.